You are a product of all who came before you. The legacy of your family. You are your mother. And whether you like it or not, you are also your father. Hello and welcome to season three of the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And this week, we got a new origin story to cover in the latest phase four installment of the MCU with Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. But before we get into the movie, Jeremy, how was your season two hiatus? Dude, I feel like I needed it, man. Season two is a little bit (laughs) behind the scenes. It was a little bit rough. So the the short break was definitely a welcome one. Yeah, no, I feel you. Uh, I think we've uh, had a, enough conversations, uh, especially offline, about how both of us were just really kind of grinding towards the uh, the middle and end of season two, uh, just with how busy our personal life, professional life kind of got. And uh, dude, it was just pretty crazy. Like, yeah, for me, I just took the time um, where, yeah, I, I wanted to get some, you know, projects off the ground, but I decided to prioritize, you know, mental and physical uh, health over everything. And so I tried to, you know, exercise a little bit more, try to, you know, change up some bad habits that I created, you know, with eating habits and stuff. And really, I wanted to get in better shape, especially for, you know, what we have upcoming for season three. Yeah, dude, they definitely need the energy for it. But yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been trying to work on some other things. The The project that I mentioned last, um, nearing the end of last season, got delayed a little bit, my little short film that I'm making. Uh, so it should, it's still coming out, but it's been delayed quite a bit because a, uh, a lot of stuff that still needs to be done. Yeah, we definitely want to hear more about that. Hopefully, you know, as as time goes on and there's more updates, definitely keep us posted. That way we can go ahead and uh, let our audience know. That way we can kind of support you in your uh, your other project. But man, Jeremy, I don't know how you feel, but dude, it feels good to be back, doesn't it? Dude, yeah, it's been some movies, man. Like, uh, I feel like we're heading into there was a little bit of a dead zone in the last couple of weeks. But yeah. now it's it's starting to ramp back up. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. But here at the Weekly Real Podcast, for those of you who are checking this out for the very first time, uh, we like to warm up with what we call our podcast ritual. And so uh, our podcast ritual, usually on our main show, which is the show that you're listening to right now, uh, we like to discuss one notable movie or TV show uh, that we want to highlight over. Usually it's the past week, but obviously, you know, we've been uh, away for a little while. And so, Jeremy... What's one notable movie or TV show that you want to highlight uh, over this past hiatus? Yeah, I've watched, uh, you know, quite a bit. Catching up on stuff that I probably should have seen a while back. Uh, like the movie I want to mention, The Black Swan, starring oh, Natalie Portman. Yeah. Um, obviously, that movie got high praise when it came out. And I haven't seen it yet until just recently. Watch and... Obviously, it's about uh, Natalie Portman's character just trying to um, get basically the the role of her dreams, pretty much. And it's, uh, it's a very dark 
a little bit scary movie. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's on Hulu. Yeah, I remember when you mentioned it to me uh, when we were chilling one of the more recent times. I was like, whoa, that's kind of a out of nowhere. But, you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, ah, oh, Natalie Portman, that's your girl. Yeah, I just got to watch the really good movies. That I'm trying to prioritize not watching freaking B movies right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes we just kind of get into the habit of, of watching whatever's convenient, whatever's kind of in front of us. It could be on Netflix or Amazon Prime, and those sometimes aren't really the best. Yeah, some easy to swallow movies are usually like the for- forgettable ones. So I forced <laughs> myself to watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, but for me, um, you know, like for me, like I, I you know, during my hiatus, there, it was a, a, a pretty good mix of new and old. Uh, I, I kind of wish that I had more to like watch on the new because it was more of like, hey, you know, I was a little more decompressing after a long season two and you know when i'm in that mode i usually tend to watch stuff that i've watched and so i mean i won't highlight this but i ended up restarting the leftovers because i really wanted to get to season three because i kind of forgot about what happens there i'm almost there uh i did end up watching uh free guy uh, Mm. which was a really good movie i think i was trying to get you to watch it jeremy and we might still be able to do that before you uh in the next couple weeks just uh just for fun uh, but the show that I want to highlight, and it's after, obviously, you know, we're, this is the episode for Shang-Chi. After watching the beautiful cinematography, I will admit this. I wanted to watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, yeah. but I couldn't find it anywhere that was accessible to me because uh, I think it's streaming on stars. So I ultimately decided to watch a show that you recommended on an earlier episode of the Weekly Real Podcast, I finally started Kim's Convenience. Ooh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Dude, I started Perfect. it a couple of days ago. How you like it so far? Dude, uh, honestly, I kind of got FOMO listening to you and Cameron, our buddy Cameron, who actually came up with our theme song. You guys kept talking about it. I was like, oh, man, I know he meant, uh, Jeremy mentioned it like a long time ago, it seems like. And uh, I finally got around to watching especially you know with Simu Liu um doing such a fantastic job as uh, Shang-Chi and I was like dude so good I'm starting to get some of the references that you've been talking about and dude in two or three days I'm almost done with season one yeah it's very easy watching that for sure I like that show I'm I'm really enjoying it, especially Mr. Kim's just he dude he's so inappropriate, but he's hella funny. <laughs> it's definitely my type of comedy, just like you were talking about when you were telling me uh, to watch the show. So I I finally took you up on that recommendation. Sweet man, yeah, Mr. Kim, definitely the best character of the show. <laughs> I agree, I agree. But Jeremy, this week a parking attendant's passed catches up to him in the form of a mysterious postcard that he receives, uh, I guess, from weeks earlier. Uh, we see his family's drama unfold in the next theatrical installment of the MCU's Phase 4 in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And so, uh, you know, as we normally do here on the Weekly Real Podcast, we're issuing our customary spoiler warning. Uh, We are going to be talking about specifics from the movie. So if you haven't watched it yet, definitely go out and see it. We I want to I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we're both going to recommend that you guys watch this movie in theaters. It's out 
only in theaters now. It's not playing in Disney Plus or anything like that. Uh, do not watch a cam version of it because, man, this movie is one of the most beautiful MCU movies out there, if not the most gorgeous. So definitely go see it in theaters. So here at the Weekly Real Podcast, we're constantly experimenting and tinkering in an effort to improve the podcast. And uh, with the double feature, which is this new segment that we are going to introduce to the Weekly Real Podcast, the uh, our main show, we wanted to borrow uh, some of the essence uh, that we have from our second show, the Newsreel, in an effort to stoke some good conversation. Yeah, so basically the double feature is two topic questions related to the movie coming from each of us. Uh, but the kicker is, just like the newsreel, we don't know what we're going to ask each other. So that should make things pretty interesting and uh, spontaneous. So, Ken, for the kickoff of the, not the newsreel, of the double feature, I wanted to call it double impact, but you know, that was taken already. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry, Jean Claude. Sorry, <laughs> the double feature. Um, what question do you have for me? All right, so uh, with Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, obviously, I mean, there's like a, a double meaning with the Ten Rings. You got the actual Ten Rings, which are actual like they're more like bracelets, I guess. Uh, that uh, Wen Wu and, and basically wears for most of the film. Um, but also we have the Ten Rings as in the, the terrorist organization that was introduced way back in Iron Man 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, they, they make various appearances throughout the MCU. And so my question to you, Jeremy, is do you think the Ten Rings, and I'm not talking about the organization now, the Ten Rings, uh, the actual bracelets, do you think the Ten Rings will take the place of the Infinity Stones as the center of the MCU in phase four or even the foreseeable future? I'm going to say no. Uh, I feel like they're, they're more of a, I guess, alluding to the post credit scene. They're, they're more of a beacon or maybe a, a slight weapon that might activate something bigger. I was going to say, oh, they're going to need to be like gathered with something else. But I'm like, that's just retreading the Infinity Stones again. Right. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, and I don't think... I feel like we've, we've seen the extent of the Ten Rings, at least for now. You know, mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe you're right. Maybe, um, maybe the, it needs to be unleashed even more. Who knows? Because I feel like the, the Ten Rings themselves were... I wouldn't say basic, but it they were more like melee extension of the actual wearer rather than, <laughs> oh, this ring can do this, this ring can do that, where, where it's kind of like that in the comics. So who knows? I don't know if they're going to, uh, like the rings will kind of evolve over time. But for me, I think they're just uh, something that Shang-Chi gets and is going to set up something else. For the future. I will agree with you on that. I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is now the springboard for what I guess will be the, whatever the premise will be in the, I mean, I don't think it's been announced yet, but I feel like with the success that it gotten, uh, that uh, Shang-Chi got in its opening weekend on Labor Day weekend, I feel like uh, 
there is it the, the sequel is going to be inevitable i feel like that especially that first post credit scene uh where you know they're setting up how there's like a beacon within the actual 10 rings it's calling for something that will set up probably the main storyline for uh season two and and i guess i wanted to ask you this like do you think uh like what where do you think this will go is there any like speculation as to where that beacon might lead to do you have any like theories for me i'm thinking galactus uh mm. just because they teased the fantastic four before and galactus has always like been a uh, you know related to them and i feel like they're alluding to that at some point uh where because they they we've talked about the what are they called the thunderbolts where they're kind of like an anti-hero type of avengers i feel like we're gonna get the avengers and the thunderbolts versing uh galactus basically kind of villains and the heroes teaming up for uh against another big world man. ending yeah 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 oh, that's a good one i i remember reading this theory also that maybe the beacon's calling to fin fang foon Ooh. so i i don't know if i butchered the pronunciation of that but i'm like ooh, okay i because remember when they were showing the uh kind of the trailer footage obviously before shang chi opened they thought that the, I guess the great protector was uh, Fin Fang Foom. So, mm, yeah, I, I want to see Doctor Doom. Uh, I feel like instead of it just being one guy, where it was like Thanos was the big bad, I want to see a group of villains. Maybe one big one, just like Galactus or something. But then also like more of the ground level fighters, like a Doctor Doom, who's like super powerful but can actually isn't just like a huge planet <laughs> yeah pretty much like galactus um i want to see like something like that where uh I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that way in the future though mm, yeah i feel like uh kevin feige and his team just have this whole thing kind of mapped out i feel like they're just constantly just coming up with storylines just so that they can kind of interweave all of the different uh, Marvel properties into this huge uh, cinematic universe. And, and that's why I feel like I, I think we kind of talked about it uh, late last season about how, you know, season four or not season four, phase four has kind of gotten off to like a, maybe a mediocre start in some people's eyes where mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, it feels like a lot of filler, but I'm like, dude, I feel like they're setting, they have to set up a lot of different new characters and um, the universe is just expanding even more. And obviously now it's becoming a multiverse officially. Now there's so much to set up. Like they're still in the middle of setting up that chessboard for uh, phase four and beyond uh, that. This is just the beginning. And I feel like really Shang-Chi especially, and, and even I guess Loki and some of the other TV shows, it's now starting to gain a little bit of uh, momentum in terms of, oh man, okay, they're building up to something huge. And you could, you could tell it's like, we're still going up that roller coaster where, you know, I don't think we're going to be nearing the top anytime soon, but when we do, it's going to be a crazy ride. Yeah. I feel like Shang-Chi is, that has been the best ground level, like, um, movie, even, uh, 
TV show and all that stuff since uh, the end of the Infinity Saga. Mm-hmm. I think most people will like this movie. And I feel like Eternals, though, is going to be key in setting up the, the bigger universe. Yeah. Uh, along with Loki, but I also feel like, you know, the Celestials and whatever the Eternals, I feel like is going to be a key one. And that's actually the one I'm most worried about. And I was, surprisingly, though, coming back to Shang-Chi, I wasn't overly excited. But once I saw it, I was like, that was sick. I love it. It was the asian black panther <laughs> pretty much like i i wasn't expecting a lawful from black panther um but then i ended up really liking it so yeah. same thing with shang chi okay so ken my question for you though because i know we talked a little bit about uh the movie off you know offline but uh, i wanted to ask you what were some of your nitpicks that stops the film from being in your super top tier. I'm talking like top three Marvel movies. Because I've read online where people say, oh, this, I didn't expect this movie to be in my top five Marvel movie. Uh, what were some of your nitpicks? I'm kind of curious. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, dude, I think uh, when we were... Uh, as soon as we got done watching uh, opening night, because we ended up watching literally that first showing on that Thursday night um, that it opened. I think we both had the same opinion that the first 45 minutes of that movie were like, is this the best Marvel movie ever? It's like it was already up there because it was just nonstop. It had like the backstory, it had the flashbacks, it had the crazy um, like fight choreography and everything. And Dude, like even the storytelling within, you know, the these action sequence was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. And I I was able to watch it a second time and it's up there for me. I don't know if it's going to be top 3 or top 5. It's for sure top 10, but it's literally getting close to top 5 for me based off of the second viewing. But to answer your question with the the nitpicks, I feel like because this is an origin story and they had a lot of heavy lifting to do in terms of setting up Shang-Chi and that universe, but also, you know, giving backstory to the 10 rings, the organization and the 10 rings, the actual like bracelets. Um, I think it was a victim of having too much information to show and, and, and present itself with. Uh, And I felt like, it started to drag a little bit, even like upon rewatch, even though I was able to pay attention to more of the, uh, the, you know, the, what do you call it? The exposition and everything. Mm-hmm. I was able to pay attention to it more, but man, that first viewing, it kind of dragged the movie a little bit for me. And I felt like it was a nest. It, it was necessary for it to happen is, is just, they, they took on a lot in, I don't know what I would do any different, but I feel like the pacing itself kind of, it, it set us up like, dude, I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be an all timer. And then it kind of dragged and then it, and then picked back up again at the end. Yeah. But um, I, fe- I felt like the pacing maybe could have been tweaked here and there. I feel like that was my real only nitpick, uh, but a lot of it was really good. Dude, 
good villain, great uh, hero, good side characters, great action. Uh, I loved most of it. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with you with the exposition as well. Uh, and not to retread too much of that. Um, one of my nitpicks, though, I I hated like his uh, Aquafina's character. What was her name again? It was uh, Katie. Katie. Yeah, uh, made that shot on the the, the Soul <laughs> Eater. Yeah, I think that that bothered me because I've only watched it the one time. Uh, just telling the audience. And that bothered me a little bit because she's only been training for like one day, <laughs> literally. <laughs> True. Um, and that kind of bothered me a little bit. I wish like Shang Chi didn't need that that uh, saving a bit. Um, well, I mean, it it could have he could have gotten not really saving because you know obviously he took on the lion's share of you know like trying to battle the that major what was it the. The big soul sucker. I don't even know what they called it. Do you remember what they called it? I don't know. I, I was just calling it the soul eater. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the big one. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like that could have gone to um, Shaling. I don't know yeah. how to say her last name. I, I, I would have been fine if it was her or maybe even a com- combination. Maybe, you know, similar to how uh, Ned can in spider in the Spider-Man <laughs> Spider-Verse. Um, he can kind of distract or whatever, and then maybe another like main character can like deliver that final blow. I I feel like that blow was like too significant. Yeah, for th- yeah. I mean, like it was because it was a good lucky shot, but it seemed like it affected it way too much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. To like, for I guess to the enough to free Shang Chi and his sister and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, that was a little much. Uh, especially just knowing a little bit about archery form, <laughs> I guess. Watching that shot, I was cringing so hard because it's like when she was pulling back the bow, the bow, uh, the arrow is so far from her face. It's like you have no stability at all. Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> just, just basic. I'm like, come on. Someone should have taught her in that first day where to... Where to place her fingers. Yeah. That's that's the movies though. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Did you have any other nitpicks? Um no, not really. I, I actually really liked all the action, like you said. Um the exposition though, talking a little, a little bit more about it, I, I really liked it when when Wu was given the exposition. Oh man, he's such a good storyteller. Tony Yeah, Tony he, he's he has that charisma about him too. Uh, cause it's like, you're kind of afraid yes. at the same time, at the same time, he's like kind of a loose cannon, especially when he just hits Shang-Chi in front of every, like all the other 10 rings members. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it got to, um, what was the name of the place? Talo. Talo. Yeah. When they had to, uh, kind of tell the backstory of Talo and all that stuff to you, I'm like, all right, uh, this kind of it, it felt too similar to when when Wu was um, expositing the the Ten Rings. It felt too similar because mm-hmm. obviously we need the exposition and the backstories interesting in itself. I thought, but it felt like the way it was delivered was too similar to the first time. 
actually uh, looking back on it on the second time, um, and, and that's actually I guess where I zoned out the first time. It was when um, what was the aunt's name? Michelle Yeoh's character. It was um, what was it? It was Aunt Ying uh, Aunt Ying Ying Nan. I probably butchered that. Ying Nan, I think, uh, was Michelle Yeoh's character. Um, I fe- th- this is the feeling that I got, and I don't know if you can uh, kind of picture this, but remember when she was doing the, uh, she was giving the exposition about the soul suckers and everything, and you know the kind of the battle between the 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 locals uh, of Talo, and between that um, them and then the soul suckers and how they got them to be beyond the what was it the dark gate? I think that's what mm-hmm. they're calling it. When when she was kind of walking through and giving that exposition, exposition, it reminded me of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two when Ego was giving his uh, exposition <laughs> to what his plan was. Yeah. It's kind of random, but like the framing of, of of that shot kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, which is not a not a good thing. <laughs> right, and, and I think that's why I zoned out the first time, uh, and I was really when I when I knew that it was coming up again, I was like, okay, I have to really pay attention, but. No one should really have to focus that hard to pay attention to exposition. <laughs> yeah, that that little sequence there was probably the hardest thing to get through in the movie. But even then, it's not even that bad, right? Like, this it's movie's not. really good. Uh, like I said, nitpicks. <laughs> These are just strictly nitpick, nitpicks. And so, um, I mean, let me just randomly quickly ask you this. When, when do you think Shang-Chi's next appearance will be in? I'm going to think, shoot, man, knowing uh, kind of the lineup, it wouldn't be in Doctor Strange, I don't think, unless he's still having karaoke with Wong or something, <laughs> <laughs> which is easily like top post credit scenes of all time. I agree, because it, 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 it totally went with Katie and Shang uh, Chi's, like the whole thing. I was like, oh, we can get some rest or. Yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah i'm never gonna attempt to sing but <laughs> freaking i don't know when we would see him again it's because at the end it say it says the 10 wing 10 rings will return so i wouldn't i think especially if it's a since it's doing well i would assume that we're gonna see him sooner than later mm. oh well, let me ask you this since uh because I don't know the answer to that question too. Maybe I'm assuming the sequel. When, uh, which do you think we'll see first? The the Ten Rings, the organization, or do you think we'll see Shang Chi? I think we're gonna see the Ten Rings first. Okay. I would even say possibly in the Hawkeye show. Ooh. Because you okay. know how he was kind of globe trotting uh, as Ronin, so I wouldn't be surprised if he might have come across maybe the the Ten Rings of before. Hmm. That is uh that's a really good theory. Well, anyway, uh, you know, this is the part of the episode where we'd like to involve you, the audience. And this week's audience question is which MCU movie has the best fight choreography? And so Jeremy, do you want to quickly take this one? I'm gonna say, man, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Easily. Oof. Oof. For me. Easily. 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 I was gonna say uh Civil War. Uh, but I'm going to say Winter Soldier. I love all like the Winter Soldier choreography, uh, mm. like specifically the character of Winter Soldier. I w- actually, I want to say top three 
easily. It, are those two that you mentioned? And I want to say this is up there with these three. With those two, sorry. So these are, I think Shang-Chi is up there. Top three. Oh, yeah. Sorry. For sure. <laughs> I mean, outside of Captain... I feel like Shang-Chi actually captured the action the best. Mm. Out of uh, all the MCU movies. All the fight choreography. But... Um, excluding Shang-Chi, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, just for argument's sake, and this is recency bias, I'll just say Shang-Chi just for, just for the hell of it. But All no, right. I, the real answer probably is Winter Soldier. <laughs> I got to rewatch Shang-Chi again. Yeah, sure. I know. I think so. But anyway, uh, definitely if you want to chime in, uh, you know, give us your answer to this audience question of which MCU movie has the best fight choreography. Uh, please definitely send us uh, your fe- your thoughts and uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, what are what what is our social media handles? I forgot already. It's been a oh. month. Uh, oh, it's yeah. been a, a while. It's at Weekly Real. That's going to be like on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yes, there you go. And uh, how about email? What's our email address? Did you get to learn that over the hiatus? I think we might have made a new one, right? No, we didn't. Oh. <laughs> it's still the same. <laughs> I, I must have logged into the wrong one because the one I went into was like WPD podcast at yahoo.com. That's the one, right? Ooh, no, it really hasn't changed yet. And so I don't know which one you actually saw. And I'm hoping that you didn't violate anyone's privacy. But anyway, our but how real... did I get that same password? That's the that's the thing. That's why I'm wondering. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You might be a hacker and you not even know it. <laughs> um. Well, I got to log out of that real quick. Then. Yeah, I think you should. But anyway, our, our real email address is weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. And so, Jeremy, let's take a quick break. All right, welcome back from the break. And so, Jeremy, I don't know if you remember, but it is weekly real awards time. And so, uh, for those of you who are catching our podcast for the first time, this is kind of like our MTV Movie Awards, our version of it. We try to come up with fun awards based off of, I guess, the movie that we're watching. You know, some of these awards kind of rotate in and out and actually the first award that we're going to hand out was an award that we introduced way back in season one during our police story episode and obviously police story is starring uh the legend jackie chan and uh i figured it was appropriate since there was a lot of inspiration drawn from jackie chan for this movie i felt like it was appropriate to hand out the winter soldier award for favorite stunt and jeremy who do you want to give the winner to for the winter soldier award all right so my favorite stunt the winter soldier award has to be um the split kick by shang chi on the bus that was so good because for one I didn't know Simu, Simu Liu could actually do that. <laughs> Watching him in, um, obviously, Kim's Convenience and uh, all this stuff in um, Wong Fu Productions. First introduction, actually, over there. I didn't expect him to be this <laughs> um, flexible, <laughs> uh, for one. And you know me. 
big fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme. And with anything with the splits, <laughs> it just reminds me of him. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll take that as a, as a reference. <laughs> yeah. No, that was good. You know what that... that- you know what that split kick, even though it wasn't necessarily like the actual split kick, but the the execution of it was so rapid and so clean that you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that first scene in uh Born Identity when remember uh Matt Damon is on that park bench and then he, you know, he's sleeping or whatever, and those two cops were like, Hey, wake up, no sleeping or whatever. And then he quickly just like dispatches them like, oh, like, oh, it, it came out of nowhere. I felt like that split kick came out of nowhere because it felt like it actually did. It it felt like it hurt like the the other two guys. Yeah, that's a good comparison because I remember that that scene in the Born Identity where it's super because obviously the Born Identity before Paul Greengrass kind of did the shaky cam. Uh, pretty much, that was like it, it was a wider shot, but it was really quick movements. And like, just took him down really fast, just like in Shang Chi. That's a good comparison, actually. Yeah. Well, my winner for the Winter Soldier Award for favorite stunt is actually um, a little bit later on in that bus scene. Um, and so during that bus fight scene, um, you know, Shang Chi, like kind of in the middle act of that fight scene, he's fighting Razor Fist, right? And remember, he's hanging off the side of the bus, but then somehow, uh, I guess you know with uh, Katie driving with the momentum and everything, mm. he somehow ends up on the roof of the bus. And do you remember that one part where he's on the roof of the bus? He just starts running kind of in full speed, then does a baseball slide to towards the front of the, uh, the bus and then somehow slides and then just starts swinging off. Like, I guess the, like in front of the bus door or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's like I, a side mirror onto the bus door. Yeah. And then, and he even ends it with, uh, open the door, please. It, it, it had everything. It had that crazy stunt. Um, I was actually able to see it on, I think Twitter where it was obviously in front of a blue screen or something like that, but mm-hmm. it looks so smooth the way he did it. I just thought it was so clean the way he Ooh. did that stunt. You got to send me that then. I got to see that. Um, yeah, I, I'll definitely do that. That sounds very Jackie Chan esque, for yeah. sure, because buses running on top of stuff, very Jackie Chan, and going through, and then with a little hint of comedy at the end of the stunt. Exactly, it was very police story esque, yeah. if I may say so. <laughs> for sure, dude. So, Jeremy, for our next award, and you know, here at the Weekly Real Podcast, we try to keep things fresh, and so. You know, every so often we'll have episodes where we're presenting brand new awards. And you know what? This, I guess, season three premiere uh, uh, for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I decided to go ahead and just invent a new award. And so this new award's called the Ancestral Plane Award. It's for most cinematic scene. And it's named after, I guess, I feel like it's the some of the most cinematic scenes in the MCU uh, were done in the ancestral plane within the movie Black Panther uh, for both T'Challa, uh, R.I.P. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, and uh, even Eric Killmonger's ancestral plane visit. I felt like that was beautifully done and mm. very cinematic. And so, uh, for uh, I guess our inaugural ancestral plane award, 
who are you giving or which scene are you giving the the winner to? Yeah, for me, it has to be when uh, a younger Wen Wu meets his wife, Ying Li, for the first time at the gates of Tao Lo. That scene is so beautiful in the way that they, you have the colors of like, yellow and orange kind of contrasting with the, the uh, Wen Wu's outside colors of like blue with the cool, cool colors. I thought that was so beautiful. And the way they kind of homage to the older Kung Fu movies with the kind of janky wire work where they look like they're kind of flying. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it actually works because Ying Li kind of had this power of like uh, manipulating the wind and able to like boost herself up. I thought that was really cool. And yeah, maybe a little cheesy <laughs> with like the, the close-ups. But at the same time, it shows how mo- how graceful uh, her choreography is compared to the more like brutal Wen Wu of that we saw at the time too. Yeah, no, I completely agree with everything you just said. That's actually my winner as well. In that, uh, I think the way I described it uh, in my notes is like, dude, it was very crouching tiger, hidden dragon esque. That which is why I really wanted to watch it right after. I wanted to see, um, I guess, what twenty years. Uh, uh, of you know just time that has passed in between the the two films uh and how far we've gone um in two decades uh with uh you know the the magic of movie making and everything and so um i i just thought it was just visually stunning uh and you got that whole air bending thing and it was pretty cool to be able to see that more graceful like fight choreography it was you could tell that ying li was it was like super effortless for her you know it was obviously she was uh in uh i guess kindred spirits with her home and everything and obviously she was in her home turf and you could just tell that win Wu was like trying to use all the force of you know obviously the power of the 10 rings and everything and you know he had his pride and you know his head was like probably at its all-time high he's like dude i needed you know, he needed something to to conquer you know because he had conquered everything else and he wanted to conquer this last thing of you know entering talo and conquering this last magical land i guess and uh it was so beautiful even dude even like the later training montage of uh you know with you know the two, the two kids, you know Xiaoling and 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 Chong Chi when they were training uh, in Talo. That mm. you know those are I, I guess would be my honorable mention uh, for I guess you know the winner of the ancestral plane award. But man, there there was as soon as I saw this scene, you knew that this movie was going to have layers because it prioritized like family and everything and even like the little dance of love that they ended up having within a fight which was weird to me <laughs> yeah yeah it was it it worked definitely in the story as well because yeah. you saw uh where you know when Wu's not exactly the best guy but he finds something good turns his life life around um in that moment so i feel like he saw the beauty of you know the place and his wife and he was willing to give up everything and obviously, uh, that's I, that's a good way of setting up the beginning of the movie and the theme of the movie. Yeah, he definitely met his match for sure with uh, Ying Li. 
So, Jeremy, let's get on to our next award. It's a familiar award uh, that we've given out uh, multiple times on this show. Uh, we're handing out the I Am Groot Award for favorite character. I feel like there's a lot to choose from. And so who is your winner, Jeremy? All right. I think, uh, man, I don't know, man. This is <laughs> For me, it's obvious because I love the hero Shang-Chi. Yeah. I thought he was really good, but... Oh, the villain, <laughs> the villain Wen Wu, man, every time he's on screen played by uh, t- uh, Tony Leung, geez, man, he like just exuding this, this presence of, in a way you, you like, you, he's super relatable at the same time. It's like, uh, his innermost desire is to get his wife back. It's like, mm-hmm. dang, how could you not sympathize with him? Especially the way that she went out was because of his mistakes. So just even if there's a chance that she was still alive, in a way, it's almost like saving his soul, his past, and his previous life decisions. um, And trying to get his family back together. Yeah. So it's so heartbreaking. I think it's a very... I think he's easily one of the best villains in the MCU ever. Um, just because he's relatable, but he does, he's not, he won't stop for anyone, not even his son, obviously. And it, it's a story of like, uh, tra- tragedy. And I feel like there's always the, the story, Chinese folklore of, you know, he's kind of, a uh, a story to kind of, what's the word? Um, like a tragic story to kind of like, um, this Greek tragedy, yeah, like kind of to persuade people not to follow in the same, oh. to make the same mistakes. You know yeah. what I mean? Cautionary ah, tale. Cautionary tale. That's the word. <laughs> That's the word. Yeah, he's a cautionary tale, almost for like his son. Don't oh. make the same mistakes. Mm. Man, two two awards in a row. Um, he's my winner as well, <laughs> uh, dude. You know me. I love a good villain, and dude, I felt like. With each point that you mentioned, I felt like you're reading off of my notes because uh, <laughs> literally that's exactly what I was uh, going to say. I feel like easily he's a top five villain in the MCU for me, uh, pushing up again, you know, arguably top three for me. We'll see. I'd have actually have to think, think about it a little bit more. more. Yeah. But um, for me, dude, I felt like it w- like his character was... Uh, kind of a metaphor for like a typical male um, or even like a very driven just person in general, especially when you're single, you'll do whatever it takes to just be successful. You do whatever you can. And you know what? He was conquering lands and everything, you know, with the 10 rings that he was wearing, it ended up not being a challenge. It started to become easy. And obviously, you know, when you get more power, you know, your, your ego kind of just, like it, it, it rises along with it, but then mm-hmm. he finally met his match. You know, we talked about it in in the previous award, uh, the ancestral plane award. He met his match with Ying Li, and sometimes that's what happens when you know you meet that one. And after that, you know, he was so in love that he was willing to, you know, stop wearing uh, the the ten rings, and he's give it. He gave up. Uh, eternal basically eternal life eternal it's life. basically like uh, aragorn from lord of the rings uh <laughs> well 
sorry, it would have been uh, Arwen. She gave up eternal life to be with uh, to be with Aragorn, you know, because she was in love with him. And so I felt like that was that whole thing. And they started a family and everything. And then, dude, once once his wife died, once Ying Lee died, dude, it was over. Dude, I got chills when they were, you know, he was wearing that double breasted uh, coat and he had little Shang Chi along his side. And he's like that them. And then, dude, the rage within that scene was like. Uh, it was a clincher already for me. Just that one back, uh, what do you call it? That flashback was enough for me. I was like, damn, he, oh, the intensity. Dude, it's getting me hyped. I want to see it again. Yeah, dude, he was, he definitely went off. He was scary, but not to the point where it was like, I hate this guy so much just because I, like, I can't stand to look at him. It's one of those where it's like, I can't not watch this guy. Yeah, you am, you really did empathize be, uh, with him because, you know, he lost his, I feel like his soulmate. I mean, the soul was like a central theme in this uh, in this movie. And I felt like he lost his soul on that day. And, you know, obviously he, you know, he he couldn't even look at his kids after a while. And, and it affected, obviously, and it broke the family bond uh, that they had when uh, when his wife died. But. Man, you could even see, you could even rationalize a lot of the stuff. And I felt like that's what made Killmonger a really good villain in Black Panther. It's like, ah, you could kind of see like his motivations, but you know, obviously he's the villain. So, yeah, because it's like the goals admirable or, you know, the goals respectable, but then the way they go about it is totally the wrong way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so, Jeremy, let's go on to our next award, the Does Anyone Want to Get Out Award for Best Action Sequence. We've de- I definitely wanted to highlight this award because this is definitely what uh, this award was basically made for this type of movie. And so uh, which scene are you going to give the uh, the winner to the, the award to? For me, it has to be between one of these two, but I'm only going to mention my one. I'm going to mention the bus scene. Just the the one where it reveals, you know, his true like skills pretty much. All of the uh, Shang Chi's first fight scene, I thought the camera work was really good. Sometimes a little bit too quick for me, um, in terms of uh, the editing, but the the choreography, the way that uh, the handling multiple assailants in a tight space in SF, which by the way, us being from the Bay Area, very like. South San Francisco right here. Um, I feel like portrayed San Francisco much better than Ant-Man and yes. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Shang-Chi did it better. Um, that, the choreography in that tight space and on top of the bus, all that stuff, I thought was easily the best action sequence. Uh, but I'm not going to mention the other one, just in case you want to mention Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? I'm glad you set me up because I was actually going to go with the other one. Uh, and that other one is basically when they're on the bamboo scout scaffolding on the side of the building in Macau, uh, dude, just like the bus sequence. Cause that was actually a very close second to me. It was basically one A and one B. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> you could choose I, either one. Exactly. Exactly. And I felt like both had three acts within it. And so, you know, the, the scaffolding scene had, you know, Shang-Chi and Katie trying to escape. That was basically act one. Then right after Katie gets saved uh, by a 
uh, by Shaolin. She, she came out of nowhere. Yeah. Then we got I the she whole. Was dead, dude. Dude, I thought she was gone. I'm like, oh, that's our new Bucky. <laughs> I know. I was like, no. Yeah, it was the same, uh, the same perspective and the same. Oh. Yeah. And then, but then, um, but then, like Act Two of that scene was Shang uh, Shang Chi and Zhao Ling just versus the Ten Rings was pretty cool to get that whole tag team action going on. I was like, oh, all hell was break loo- breaking loose. The whole Jim Ross commentary and everything. Yeah. But you also had the parallel. You know, this whole time it's just like Rush Hour Two with the yeah. whole scaffolding and everything. And then that last that last act, dude. Yeah. I wanted to mention this especially. This is what kind of brought it over the top for me. Shang Chi versus Death Dealer. Oh yeah, th- my that was god! Good. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Definitely the best hand to hand choreography of the of the movie. I think. Ooh, I and you know what? Death it's, Dealer. I want to say it's arguably the best in the MCU, along with uh, uh, Winter Soldier. You know the the hand to hand combat within that movie. Yeah, it definitely rivals that. Um, that the scene with uh, Winter Soldier and the knife on the the freeway, pretty the freeway, much. yeah. Those are I want to say the top two for me within the MCU, and I have to watch more, uh, you know, just like a breakdown of both <laughs> scenes to to truly declare a winner. But man, the level of intensity and the quickness in the in that fight choreography was just absolutely nuts and you know the whole similarity with the knife between both of those scenes i was like oh my goodness it brought me back to that freeway scene for sure yeah that was that that scene uh, i like how you mentioned rush hour too definitely got those vibes for sure yeah well jeremy you know what this is our favorite part of the uh the episode and uh you know what i'm sad because you know with each season um, it seems like you've just taken the crown, uh, both times and we made it official, uh, towards the end of, uh, last season and actually purchasing a brand new weekly real podcast championship belt. And so we're at that part of the podcast where we're guessing the rotten tomato score. And again, Jeremy is the reigning two time champ. He won both season one and season two. Season two was a little closer, so I'm trending upwards, and hopefully I can win season three, but we'll see. That remains to be seen, and so, you know, obviously with this new season, now we now that we have an actual physical championship belt, it is definitely on the line. Uh, maybe it's a little added motivation for myself, but I know that that's added motivation for you to keep it. Yeah, a literal <laughs> belt is on the line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So stay tuned to our uh, YouTube channel. You'll see that video shortly if if it hasn't been released already. But anyway, uh, now that we're in season three, again, brand new season, we're wiping the slate clean. Score is now 0-0 zero, zero for season three. And so Jeremy... Let's since you're the champ, go ahead and give that first guess for Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. All right, I don't want to. Hopefully, it's not anticlimactic <laughs> in a tie. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna guess ninety three percent. And you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. It is going to be anticlimactic because i'll send you a screenshot after we were done recording i have 93 percent on my notes man dang it uh, dude you know what we're already <laughs> trending towards that towards the end of the last I, season 
Ah, all right. Because uh, just reiterating this to the audience, we don't know each other's scores beforehand. And we just we put it on our notes, leave it there. Don't talk about Rotten Tomatoes. We don't go on Rotten Tomatoes until now. So Ken is going to go on Rotten Tomatoes now and look up the official <sighs> score. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what? We were both very close uh, with a tomato meter of 92%. Mm. We both get a point because it's anticlimactic. Uh, we basically started season three the way we're ending season two with a lot of ties. Dang. I know. Ah, uh, all right. So that means we're tied for yeah. going to next week then. Yes. Uh, the official updated score now is one to one. Actually, do you want to guess what the uh, audience score is? Uh, 97. Ooh, close. 98. Hmm. Oh, pretty high. Very high. So, I mean, uh, I actually am not very surprised. And so, Jeremy, let's give out our final award of the episode where we're actually giving our own rating. Uh, it is the I Love You 3000 Award where we rate the movie from uh, 1 to 3000. So, Jeremy, what would you give Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? All right, I'm going to give it a 2642 out of 3,000. So that roughly translates to 88%. Keep in mind, I've only seen it one time, and uh, I feel like I really need to see it again. Because I feel like the first time I was, you know, I was clenching too hard (laughs) throughout the whole movie. (laughs) Not just my fists. (laughs) Wow. Uh, the, uh, no comment there. I'm just gonna get it right into my yeah. score. <laughs> I was talking about my teeth, man. What are you t- what are you t- my jaw. <laughs> oh man. Oh geez. Okay, I'm gonna be more mindful of my scores, and mm. even though it's probably lower, it is lower actually than your score. I want to say that I probably like it more. I'm I'm trying to be more mindful and be a little bit more stingy with my scores. Because, you know, I'm looking back at some of my scores from before. I'm like, ooh, I was way too generous. I don't know what I was thinking. So I'm going to start being like the uh, Russian figure skating judge where they just will grade it a little harder than normal. This is actually going to be a really good score in my new, I guess, scale. 87, uh, I'm sorry, it'll be 26.22 for a equivalent of 87.4 percent a little lower but i feel like i don't know this this will be my skill moving forward i think i'm starting to hone it now (laughs) yeah because when you give uh you know freaking army of the dead like 70 or something i'm I'm thinking about myself too high i don't think i gave it 70 i hope i didn't give it 70 um yeah yeah. (laughs) dude i was cringing hard and some of the scores that i i was personally giving I think we're starting to find our groove right around F9 because it was that bad. So I was like, all right, this is this is where we're going to uh this is where we're going to like improve our scoring. Yeah, hopefully. When you see some crappy new movies, puts things into perspective. <laughs> exactly. So Jeremy, before we wrap this episode up, do you want to preview uh next week's episode? Next week, Eddie Brock is back. And he's not alone in the sequel to Venom 2018, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, I don't know what to say about this movie. It's I feel like I like the first one. 
uh, enough <laughs> to warrant a, a second one. I've only seen Venom the one time. Same. So I want to rewatch it before we see the new one. Same, so. actually. Um, I felt like it was entertaining, but I think it was based off of low expectations. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, uh, uh, a fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes is in the 65 range? What, what is that? Officially? I think it's 60 and above. 60 and above. I feel like it was right around there. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel it was enjoyable enough that at least I, I don't think I'll be mad that I'll rewatch it. Um, it's it rem- in in terms of enjoyability, I want I put it in the same range as like Aquaman, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um, I, I I probably tend to agree with that. Uh, I will probably try to watch Venom, uh, the first Venom. Also, hopefully we can find it somewhere streaming. Um, I guess on a on a platform where it's available to us. Uh, but uh, before then, though, uh, Jeremy, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm a little bit more active on Instagram at jp.customcreations. So a little bit of different stuff over there. Not really related to movies at all, but uh, I'm a little bit more active over there. Yeah, it's uh, you definitely uh, want to check out a lot of his uh, his paintings uh, of uh, these actors. I and mean, he, he's starting to become active on Instagram. I think Instagram's starting to get him. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Grabbing me and really black hole over there. All right. I know it's like he, it's soul sucker. It's a soul sucker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Free Ken A. Um, and uh, still going to be trying to hopefully get some projects lined up um, once I'm, I get back in the groove of things. But follow me there on Instagram and Twitter. And so uh, any last thoughts on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings before we wrap this up? Oh man, the choreography is just too. I'm just trying to remember the the fight scenes. Every fight scene is so good. Maybe the the weakest fight scene was the one in the car escaping the Ten Rings compound. Yeah, yeah. But even then, that was still good. Yeah, it was it was not bad. It, oh, it, Trevor, Trevor was was funny. Oh yeah, I forgot about we we didn't mention Trevor. So yes, Ben Kingsley. Slightly Next. redeemed himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Trevor Slattery, uh, the Mandarin from Iron Man 3, he makes his... It's not even a cameo. It's an extended cameo. He's like a supporting supporting character <laughs> the, by yeah. that, but by the end. Uh, but we also get uh, cameos by uh, what, uh, Bruce Banner. Obviously, Wong is in a couple Wong scenes. Wong is the best, man. Yeah, Shoot. abominations in it, Captain Marvel, and so we definitely want to mention uh, all those cameos as well. And so, yeah, uh, it was a good time. It, I want to say this is my favorite theatrical release of the year so far. <laughs> I think I would, I might have to agree with you. Yeah, take so. that, Wrath of Man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Wrath of Man, but yeah, this is. I think this takes the cake. Definitely a low bar, but I mean, yeah, Rathman was really good, but only because I feel like that was unexpected. But anyway, uh, this definitely clears <laughs> that. Uh, but Jeremy, dude, it was good to be back uh, from that hiatus. The hiatus was definitely welcomed, but dude, it's good to be back uh, uh, podcasting with you. Yeah, here we go. Season three. Yeah, we'll see you next time. All the real. All the real.